Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, is uh, Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy, and welcome. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. It's another beautiful day in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> as, as it is here in Florida, um, always a, a good day down here, but, um, had a little rain yesterday, but, uh, we're nice and sunny today. Um, and I'm glad it's, it's, up, uh, well up in Buffalo as well. Um, let me just remind everybody, Cindy, before we, we get going here, uh, we are live every Tuesday mornings, unless otherwise stated from nine to 10 AM Eastern, uh, time on uh, blogtalkradio.com's women of golf. Just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf. And uh, that will take you to the main page, and you can just uh, you'll see us right there on Tuesday mornings, right at the uh, front and center. Uh, but if for some reason you can't join us during the live broadcast, not to worry, uh, they are all auto recorded, so you can go and listen to them at your leisure. Uh, just go to again to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf and uh, scroll down to the on demand section, and you'll see us there as well. Um, also, if you're interested in uh, calling in any time during the broadcast, you're welcome to do so. We strongly encourage it. Uh, you can reach us at area code 347-945-5855. And if you're uh, in the golf industry and you're interested in coming on uh, to the Women of Golf Show and sharing some of your thoughts and views with our audience, uh, you can reach out to Cindy at cindy at cindymillergolf.com or you can reach out to me at, as well at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Got a great show for you this morning. Uh, cindy, we got a great show. Uh, we're going to start off with a discussion uh, here in a few moments with uh, or actually an interview, excuse me, with uh, LPJ Professional Legends Tour player uh, Barbara Mucha. Uh, she's going to be joining us here in a few moments. And then a little bit later on, we're going to uh, have a discussion, you and I, and, and maybe Barbara will have some time to join us, uh, about handicaps, breaking through that glass ceiling and, and sort of answering some of the questions as to why they haven't changed much, uh, particularly over the last uh, 20 years or so. A lot of people are still struggling with their handicaps. Uh, not being able to bring them down very much, but uh, we're going to see if we can maybe uh, shed some light a little bit on that uh, a little bit later on this morning. Um, but uh, lots of uh, great stuff. Cindy, I know you've been, we talked last week, you've been busy uh, playing in some different events. Uh, maybe just do a quick recap of some of the events you've been playing in. Well, I was uh, invited to participate in the Wendy's Charity Classic in ja- at Jackson Country Club in Jackson, Michigan, where we raised money for the Dave Thomas Adoption Foundation, and then went to the French Lick Resort to play in the Legends Tour Open Championship, and then to Reunion Resort in Orlando, Florida, where I played in the LPGA National Teaching and Club Professional Championship, and then to Boston for the BJ's Charity Classic, 
which raises money for their BJ Foundation, which right. most of the money all goes to kids. And then last week, I had the pleasure of going to Orlando to film what is going to be my online course called the Learn to Hit It course. Mm. And I'm going to be selling the Learn to Hit It kit, where you can learn to hit it anywhere, in your backyard, in your living room, your front porch, or your hotel room. Wow. Very, very good. So you were down in Orlando uh, shooting that? I was. So soon to be uh, available, hopefully by October, the end of October. Okay, very good. Very good. Well, we'll uh, certainly update, uh, as as Cindy, as you let us uh, know, we'll update that and and make everybody aware here on the program as well for those that want to reach out and and, uh, learn how to hit it. And, uh, you know, we could all use a little help with our game. And, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk a little bit about handicaps a little bit later on uh, in the program. Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people there. And, and you know, there really is no one uh, rhyme or reason, but they're sort of a culmination of things. It's a, a little bit of um, people are struggling, having difficulty learning for, for some of the beginners out there. And even some of the seasoned veterans that have been playing this game for a little while uh, and I'm certainly not talking about the professionals, but some of the, the folks out there that have maybe been playing for 20, 30 years, they're still struggling. We're going to talk about some of the reasons possibly why uh, that may still be happening. But so let me just read, because I, I know uh, she's got a lot of information here, and I want to read um, uh, quite a bit of it out. So while we're waiting for Barb, let me just uh, tell the folks a little bit about uh, Barb Rucha uh, before she comes on, and then uh, we'll get right into the discussion when, when I see her light up here. Um, she's an LPGA professional and Legends Tour player, as I mentioned. Uh, she started playing at the age of nine, where she grew up in Parma Heights, Ohio, just outside of Cleveland. Uh, played for Michigan State, where uh, while she was uh, a student there, she won two collegiate events and was named Honorable All-American uh, in 1984. She played on uh, what was then the Futures Tour, now the Symmetra Tour, where she won seven times between 85 and 86. That's a, uh, quite an uh, accomplishment. Uh, and then qualified for the LPGA Tour in 87, uh, played there for about 20 years, winning five times between 90 and 98, with their first and last uh, events uh, being in playoffs. Always exciting to be in a playoff. Uh, she's played in 15 U.S. Uh, women Opens, uh, where her best finish was tied for 17th. Her career low is 62. That's, that's a phenomenal score. Uh, currently, as I mentioned, plays on the Legends Tour, where she has, has one win under her belt. And uh, lots of great uh, things. She also teaches at the Grand Cypress Resort in Orlando, Florida, where she is instructor at the Golf Channel Academy uh, and resides now, of course, in Orlando. And uh, one of her uh, things to do, I guess, is to be a mentor to aspiring young players on the Symmetra Tour as well as collegiate players and, of course, amateurs. We're going to talk to her a little bit about that when she comes on. Uh, some other, uh, other fun facts, Cindy. Uh, she was inducted into the Greater Cleveland Sports Hall of Fame in 2011. Uh, and this, is, this one really stood out to me. I don't know if you had a chance to see this or not. Uh, but she has 17 hole-in-ones. I saw that. I'm like, yikes. The, Alan has 15. I, <laughs> I thought that was a lot. She's got well, a I'm, lot, I'm, lot. I'm, wor- I'm only working on number three, so i got a long ways to go. But, uh, yeah, that, that was incre- that's incredible. Um, 17 hole-in-ones. That's, that's a phenomenal. Uh, and she also, let me just go on, she uh, volunteers uh, for hospice in Orlando, where she has uh, mentioned lived uh, for many years. Uh, and she also works at her... Orlando Trader Joe's when she's not on the uh, golf course and of course enjoys all kinds of other outdoor activities and volunteering her time and 
uh, with various organizations and, uh, of course, sharing her faith and positive attitude uh, with everyone that she meets. So uh, lots of great uh, history there. And uh, I, I just I can't get over the 17 hole in ones. I mean, that that's incredible. I don't think, um, you know, people really appreciate how difficult that is. Absolutely. It really, really is amazing, to be honest with you. Yeah, not a lot of people can can boast uh, about that many. As I said, I've I've got two under my belt and uh, working on number three. And believe me, it it, it gets harder the older you get. So, um, but you know, it, it's just you know, it just goes to show you that she obviously uh, and, and you know we got to be honest too. I mean, obviously there's a lot of skill involved in in, uh, in playing at that level on the tour, uh, but there's also a lot of luck involved as well. But 17. She knows how to, to work that ball and navigate it around the golf course to, to get 17 hole in one. So that's a, that's a incredible feat. Um, now, Cindy, I know that you now update me a little bit on the Legends Tour. Um, what events or are there some still some events uh, throughout the rest of the year? Yes, there's there's one event left. Uh, well, there's really well, no, I think there's only one. It's the Seagate uh, event in November. Okay, which I'm yeah. not going to be at. I'm going to be at the LPGA Regional Summit um, in uh, Las Vegas. But there are, I think, 40 or 44 women playing in the Seagate event, which is a Walgreens charity classic. Barb can tell right. us more about it because she's exempt for that event. I would be an alternate. And because I'm the president of the LPGA teaching and club professional division in the Northeast, I need to go to Vegas to be at that event. So I'm going to take a pro-am team and play in the regional stroke play event. Very good. Um, Speaking of Barb, I see that she's ready, and I've already done uh, uh, an introduction of some of her background. So let's just bring her out on on the air with us, Cindy. Uh, Please welcome our very special guest, Barb Mucha. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're great. Thank we're, you for we're d- joining us. You're welcome. Um, Barb, I want to ask the very first question. I think, it's, Cindy, it's probably going to be an obvious question um, before we really get into things. Um, 17 hole-in-ones. How about that, huh? That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> None of those were in putt-putt. I don't think any of those were counted from putt-putt, so... <laughs> That, that's yeah. incredible. That that, Pretty that blows amazing. me away. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> now. Um, let me just ask you, just sort of a quick follow up, and then, and then we'll get on to uh, some things I know that you want to talk about. Um, do you remember every one of them? Uh, I probably remember half of them. I wish I would have kept all the <laughs> golf balls with them, you know. But that probably wouldn't have jogged my memory anyhow. So uh, <laughs> my first one was well, April fourteenth, nineteen seventy seven. I was playing at my uh, public golf course that I grew up on, and it was a hole that we would um, sled ride on when I was smaller. And uh, I was playing with some guys from the golf team, and and I kind of bounced it up the hill, and we're looking for it. I said, it, I don't, don't worry about it. I said, it doesn't matter. And they're like, maybe it's in the hole. I said, it's not in the hole. And we go look, <laughs> and the guy goes, oh, my God, it's in the hole. So, yeah, that's wow. coming up on 40 years ago. Holy cow. can't believe it. Oh, my God. Now, do you remember your <laughs> – when was your last one? When was your last one, Barb? Uh, <laughs> let me think here. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. You know, I'm trying to think. It, it, it probably was – the last one I can really recall was in a pro-am – 
uh, in New Jersey. Uh, so I bet that was about six years ago. I'm thinking. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think I've had one since then. I I really I can't recall off the top of my head. So. Well, you're you must excuse me. You must be due then. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> Now, you got to play to try asking, to get them, though. Right, exactly. Now, I was just asking Cindy um, while we were waiting for you to come on air, Barb, about the uh, the last event. Uh, there is one left on the Legends Tour this year, right? Correct, down at the Seagate in uh, Delray Beach, yeah. Okay, and you're playing in that one? I am, yes, uh-huh. Very good, very good. Um, talk to us a little bit about – I'll start things off, Cindy, and then I'll let you come in um, – Talk a little bit about junior golf, um, some of the things that you're doing to help grow the game in junior golf. Um, what types of things have you got uh, Have you got going? Was that for me or Cindy? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, Barb, that was for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, um, you know, I think for junior golf, I mean, you're just trying to get the kids to understand that it's not necessarily about score you know, and things like of that sort. You know, we do some uh, golf camps and things out of Grand Cypress where I teach out of. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just mostly about introducing them to the game, letting them know it's fun, uh, that there's, you know, you can meet other kids and, and have a good time and all that. Because I think sometimes with the, with the juniors, especially as they get a little bit more advanced, you know, it becomes about <clears throat> about winning and about, you know, not making any mistakes, and it, and it gets to a level that I think it's a little too too serious, too quick, um, and it takes away right. the fun of the game and what the game's meant to be is to enjoy it, you know, at all levels, um, you know, whether you're a pro or or, or just a, a novice player or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like it when the kids can just have a good time and they can – they can be with each other and they can laugh and they can learn some new things and experience some, you know, some parts of the game that give them, uh, you know, whether they do something really well that they get rewarded for in, in a fun way, not so much in a competitive way. So, um, you know, just trying to make sure that even if they're in high school or whatever, that, you know, they, they, they don't beat themselves up because that's, I think that's the thing that I find when I teach, um, no matter who, uh, that they get a little too uh, down on themselves. And it's easy to do, you know, but to, to let them know, hey, you know, you're, it's, it's about progress, not perfection. You know, you're, dry, you're trying to make progress in the game to, to the level that you're at and trying to, you know, that's something that you've got to determine where you want to be with that also. <clears throat> do you think, um, let me just follow up, do you think that um... – with some of the juniors that maybe want to play competitive golf that maybe have aspirations of one day, um, you know, getting out there with, with the, the big folks. Um, do you think that there's a lot of, maybe a little bit too much pressure put on them and they're not really having as much fun. And I mean, obviously when you're playing, you want to have fun as well. Um, that's really the goal is to have fun while you're out there. But do you think there's maybe too much pressure being put on some of these young um, up and coming players? I, I think so. You know, I mean, there's so many good young players now that have a lot of talent and that, you know, their parents are putting, you know, their heart and soul into them getting to that next level, you know. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but there's there comes a, lot, a time, I think, when if you cross that line, then if it doesn't happen, 
you know, it's so negative and so defeating and, and you know, it, it puts a bad taste in not only the kid's mouth, but the parents have spent all this money on, on things of that sort. And, you know, I, I think with the game of golf, you just never know what's going to happen. You know, you, you you go out there and give it your very best and and you try not to let the results dictate really what the game is all about, which is, I mean, that's really, really hard to do. But if you can learn that and you can kind of institute that at, at a year, early age and talk to the parents about that too, you know, the parents have got to be willing to listen with that too. So, um, yeah, I I see more of the the non-fun uh, type of games being played for the younger, you know, the younger juniors that are that are pretty good players. And, uh, you know, I, I think you got to have that part of the element too involved for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. And Cindy, I know you've taught many, many juniors out there, and you've seen it really from both sides of it. You've seen some out there that just want to play for recreation, and you've seen some that want to be competitive. Um, Cindy, maybe share some thoughts on, on how you handle um, maybe a little more aggressive parents parenting than is necessary. How do you deal with, with a situation like that when you're, when you're working with a junior? Well, you know what? It's so difficult. And Barb, you know, well, all three of us have been around for a while, and I mm-hmm. can tell you that, you know, Alan and I have taught golf in Buffalo for 30 years on purpose every day, you know, every year for 30 <clears throat> years. And not one, not one of our students has gone on to be the number one player in the world. So, the two best students we had were our son and a girl named Renee Sobleski who played golf at Vanderbilt University on a D1 scholarship. And we, we've had numerous <coughs> students play golf in college at D1, D2, D3. Uh, Renee played on the Vanderbilt team with Marina Alex, <coughs> and Marina went on and she's on the LPGA Tour right now. And Renee just didn't want to play on tour and probably wasn't good enough. And our son tried to play on tour, shot five under par at Q school, and said, Mom, I played awesome, and I didn't make it. I'm not good enough. So I think parents need to be very aware that, you know, you see Michelle Wee and Lydia Cole, but they're one in a million or a little more than a million. Yeah. And, and so for them to put so much pressure on their kids to perform, it just kills me. I teach a young little girl who just turned nine whose dad's like, all right, this weekend your goal is to do this. And I'm like, let's just let her have some fun. And she shot 50 for nine holes in a U.S. kids tournament. And another little girl I teach has shot 30, you know. Wow. Well, that little girl that shot 30 <clears throat> in the U.S. kids golf tournament is now a problem child. And, mm. I, kind of, and I kind of fired them as students, and I just feel really bad about what's on the horizon for that little girl because the parents are creating a monster. Yeah. And and you can't, you know, you want to say, guys, it's not that important. Let them develop. You know, it's progress, not perfection. I'm going to steal your line, Barb. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. So I just, you know, again, you need to know, you know, Alan had a dad that was like that, the pushy father, who was a control freak. And Alan's Mr. Shy, quiet, wants to sit in the corner and just hit balls by himself and enjoys hitting great shots. 
and doesn't really care what he shoots. I'm like, no, 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 we got a bottom line, you know. So you really need to know the style of the person and the personality and the behavior. You know, again, it's just so important, and I'm so passionate about it. So give us yeah. your thoughts, Barb. What do you, yeah, what well, do you think? Yeah, you know, well, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I, I, it's almost like you need to get the kids away from the parents and talk to them by themselves to kind of get an idea of, of where, you know, do they really want to do this or is it because they've got to do it or whatever, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, it is, it's a very tough thing um, to kind of sort out with, with the young, with the young generation and stuff. I mean, there's so many great talented uh, young players out there, but that doesn't necessarily, because you're, because you're a good young player doesn't mean you're going to be a great (coughs) professional. I mean, there's, there's correlation, but there really isn't because it's, you know, some of the people that I played with growing up, you would have, you would have bet, you know, bet your life on it that they would have made it to tour and they never did. And then, you know, me, I'm coming from a non-golfing family really. And, you know, played public golf courses and, and, you know, worked just, just kind of went through the steps and kept getting better and better, but it, there wasn't any shortcuts. You know, there wasn't any expectations on me from my family necessarily, you know, for myself. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a very uh, interesting, interesting game to kind of sort out. There's no real answers to this game. And that's what makes <clears throat> it so interesting to, to be in it, you know, and then to teach it and then to try to convey that to people that are looking for your advice and your help along the way. Um, so, you know, I just try to keep it, you know, ask them a lot of questions, not not give them the answers or give the answers that I have or whatever. I share that, but I also, I want to know where are they coming from? What do they see? And, you know, you can kind of get a feel of how they talk about it. And, you know, it's like they take this step and then they're going to take the next step and then the next step should get them to the next step and then, boom, they should be on tour. It doesn't work like that. I mean, it just doesn't. For, for a very, very few does it work like that, and those are the exceptional people that are, are like Sydney said, one in a million, you know, that, that go down that route. So what do you guys think, um, just on that theme for one more second, what do you think is the difference between the players that, that do make it out? And I'm not talking about how many tournaments they win. I'm talking about that get out there on the tours and play and the ones that don't, um, you see many, many kids that have equally good skill levels um, as far as their playing ability, but some maybe lack confidence. Some uh, are, are more of a go-getter. What's the difference? Is there is there a magic sauce, if you will, or elixir that that sort of decides whether one is going to get out on tour and one doesn't? What do you think uh, is the the winning formula, if you will? Um, Barb, I'll let you go first. Hmm. Wow. If we had that, we could bottle that, I think, right, Cindy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let me clarify this. You know, I mean, you see players on, on even on the, the tours today, especially on the men's tour, you see like a, uh, uh, Luke Donald and others that have phenomenal ball striking abilities, but they're not winning um, really a lot. And then you see other players that, you know, maybe don't have pitcher perfect swings. They're certainly good enough to be out there. And they're winning relatively consistent uh, compared to some of these other. How is it, you know, how is it for some that are, you know, especially if you look at the juniors that have, are phenomenal junior players, but they just don't make it out there. And then others, uh, you know, with maybe the same physical abilities, they get out there and just seem to clean up. 
Yeah, it, it's, um, hmm. I think a lot of it stems from your inner <clears throat> self of confidence, you know, when things are really going bad and you're the only one that you're talking to is you, you know, in those, in those days when you get in your car and you go, oh, my gosh, let me sort this out. You know, I mean, it's uh, talent is definitely uh, a huge part of it and, and a good golf swing, but it's that I think it's a lot of it is the self-talk and not over-trying. You know, really just say, you know, my yeah. motto when I played a lot of times was if I got a swing, I got a shot. I don't have to like the shot I got, but I've got a shot, you know, um, because you're, it's not a game of perfection. It's a game of minimizing your mistakes out there. And, you know, if we think that, you know, if you don't hit it good and, you know, you start off on a bad note, you know, some people are done after two or three holes after hitting one or two bad shots. You know, and others are just like, yeah. okay, I don't know what the day, this isn't what I envisioned, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going <clears> to <throat> see if I can't manage it, you know? So it really, I think a lot of it stems between, you know, in, in our own heads and our attitude that yeah. we take and what we're going to do with it. You know, it's that inner, that inner quality that, you know, you can't really teach sometimes, you know? And sometimes it's there easier than other days. And the days that it's not, that's when you struggle. But it's like, okay, what do you do? The struggle is really what gets us back to um, climbing that ladder again, you know? Just like anything in life, sometimes it's the down times that really, that really teach you so much. And, it, you know, you, you, pull, you pull up from that and you, and you go on to do some amazing things. I know that, you know, sometimes when I was either sick or something was going on with my family or whatever that I was distracted, that's when I played my best right. because I didn't really give it that extra. It was kind of like I was just playing the game. I was like hitting the shot yeah. and playing the next shot and not even thinking about what I was doing or what it was for or how it was scoring. And it's kind of like that's that's the place you need to be to see how well you can play. But to get there, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen all the time. And you got to, you take it as it ebbs and flows, really. Yeah. How about you, Cindy? Cindy? I know that you've. Yeah. Go ahead. Did Ted go away? No, no, uh, no. Go ahead, Cindy. Uh, Barb asked you about your your. All right. Let me let me rephrase what she was going to say to you. Basically, um, what about you when your game? I mean, you obviously you've you've mentioned many times. Um, without hesitation on the show that there's times when you're out there and, and you're really uh, hard on yourself because you're maybe not playing at your best. How do you sort of combat that? What do you do to, to, to uh, play your best out there? Well, I'm always better when I'm pursuing and, and staying in the present moment rather than protecting something <clears throat> and worrying about the past or the future. Um, Barb, I think that, and I have not had the playing career that Barb has had. Barb is amazing. And so I, I'm i more interested in finding out about how she stays in the present moment, believes in her own game. I don't believe she puts any added pressure on herself. And I might be putting words in your mouth, but I would like to know how have you lasted so long, like you said, your first home alone was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. How often do you practice? Do you even hit balls? <laughs> Not much anymore. 
<laughs> you know, I, it's just kind of crazy. I mean, I just more than likely, I mean, at this stage of the game, I just want my body to be a little bit more limber and not not be quite as sore and stiff. <laughs> so my goals with everything has kind of changed. But, um, you know, I mean, really, if I look back at my career, I mean, I would never in a million years would have thought I would have done as well as I would have done, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't have the best golf swing. I, you know, I don't, uh, you know, but I got to the point where I didn't really care what my golf swing looked like. It's about, you know, can I, can I hit the shots? Can I make, you know, make the putts? Can I get it up and down? Yes, I can. Is it going to be there all the time? No, but when it is, you know, I'm as good as anybody out there. So, um, you know, I don't know. I've been blessed for sure. Um, but it really does come from looking back now at my career I mean, I think I could have even done better had I been a little bit less critical of myself and just enjoyed it a little bit more and not worried so much about maybe the outside distractions and the expectations of other people that put on you, whether they're real or fantasy, you know, because everybody's looking at the paper. And when you play good, hey, you're doing great. When you're playing bad, what's going on? Why can't you crack an egg, you know? I mean, so... If it was just about hitting the ball and finding the ball and hitting it again, it'd be it'd be a lot easier. But there's all that that static out there that kind of gets in your way sometimes. And if you can, I think if you can just put that aside and you know just just take the game for what it is and really just play the game because it is it's a challenge. Every day that I go down that golf course is a challenge because it's never the same, you know. And if we try to make it the same, like you said, try to be so exact with everything, I think that's where, you know, things you're going to be so critical of stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with being critical of, Um, you know, I mean, so, but I appreciate your comments, Cindy, you know, I mean, it's, I have been very consistent, you know, throughout, throughout my career and even playing on the legends now, you know, I've had some really good weeks and tournaments and years and stuff like that. And, you know, I just um, – I still get those moments where I get in my own way and get a little too, um, uh, you know, pouty out there. And, you know, it doesn't do any good. It's really about staying in the moment, not getting ahead of yourself, and having, you know, having an attitude that this is a great game and I'm so fortunate to be able to be a part of it and do as well as I can, you know. Yeah, amen. Um you know, and I think what really, and, I, and I'm sure you both have experienced this um, with some of the folks that you've worked with, but it, I'm sure you've noticed that the players that tend to focus on the swing mechanics as opposed to playing the game itself tend to do much worse. Would you agree with that? The ones that are worried about how good their swing is and, and how, how well they're striking the ball, if that's where their main focus is, and not so much how to play the game and how to navigate around the golf course – tend to do worse. And if you see that on the, on the tour as well, it's not always the best ball strikers that are winning week in, week out. Would you agree with that? Go ahead, Cindy. Oh, I thought he was asking you. Um, no, that's no, your fault. Absolutely. That, that was your fault. I'm sorry. Absolutely. I mean, you look at, totally agree. Right. Yeah, I, I think it, it's, you know, it, it's like you said, you know, Cindy, that when you're, you know, not focusing on, um, you know, all the, the, the little details, um, your, your mind is a little bit freer and you're able to play a little bit better. And that brings me to this question for you, Barb, is obviously, you know, you're at a stage in your career that uh, you have a great opportunity to uh, be a mentor 
to many of the young, particularly young ladies coming up on the Symmetra Tour now, uh, some of the collegiate players that uh, maybe you're working with, and even the amateurs out there in that. Um, what would you like to impart? What words of wisdom would you like to impart on, on some of these youngsters coming up? And have you uh, parted to them? Yeah, I've worked with uh, several gals, you know, some of them aren't playing anymore and some of them have moved on and whatever. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just so much fun to, to work with them and be with them because it's, you know, I see myself in them and they, you know, they're trying, they're, they're after a, a goal that they're trying to reach and obtain. Uh, this one gal I'm working with, now, she's from Sweden and this is her second year on the Symmetra tour and she's really made, you know, some great strides, but it's been a process. You know, it's, um, you know, she's got a great golf swing and just because you got a great golf swing doesn't mean that it's going to match up with the score sometimes. Um, right. But it's, it, I'm, it, I'm working more with the intangibles of, you know, well, what were you thinking when you, you know, when you started the event or, you know, if you had a great practice session, do you think that it should just carry over to when you tee it off on the first hole? You know, so those things that you don't really have an answer for, but you have an answer after you've experienced them. You know, it's, it's about learning your blueprint of who you are as a player. You know, how do you mm-hmm. think? What do you expect <clears throat> of yourself? You know, how are you, you know, formulating, you know, your goals and all that stuff. Um, so it, it's more of the, we work a little bit on the swing and I'll watch and, you know, I'm looking for alignment. I'm looking for, you know, you know, her tempo, her rhythm, you know, things of that sort and working on the short game. But it's not, I don't do any track, man. I rarely do videos, you know, because, I mean, I don't, I'm not opposed to that, but that's not what I think gets you to that next level sometimes because it's not about the golf swing. It's about getting that ball in the hole no matter where you hit it and what you've done and not letting the last shot dictate how the next hole or the next shot's going to go. So it's, um, you know, I, I call it the intangibles and the blueprint, the DNA of your golf swing, really. And if you can kind of figure that out, what it is about you that makes you tick and how you can use that to to take the pressure off yourself and to move forward and to, um, you know, just go play the game, I think you're going you're gonna to find that you're going to have a lot more success doing it that way than working, you know, going taking golf lessons, golf swings, and looking at your videos and all that stuff. But some people, that's what makes them tick, you know. If that's yeah. how they 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 evaluate themselves, then you you can't disown that. You've gotta you've gotta work with that, but you also gotta, I think, ask them the questions that they may not have answers to because they've never had the other flip side of that coin. But you gotta have both. I mean, you really got to have both in this game to to make it work. I think. Right. Well said, um, ladies. We're going to move into uh, and Barb, if you can uh, stay with us for a little bit longer. Yeah, um, absolutely. Cindy and I are going to have a dis- Cindy and I are going to have a discussion about handicaps uh, for our second part of the program, uh, and I sort of titled this "Handicaps Breaking Through the Glass Ceiling." And I want to just read something very quickly, and then I want both of you, Barb, I'm going to let you as our guest to, to start first in the discussion. But let me just read this out very quickly, and then uh, I'll pose the, the, the thoughts and questions, and then uh, I'll let you go from there. Um, you know, we, we've seen a lot of changes, as you just point out, in technology um, and certainly advancements in teaching and coaching techniques, but yet handicaps have remained relatively the same. Why do you think that is, Barb? Wow, I've never really thought of that. Um... Hmm. 
Hmm. It's a tough question. <laughs> well, let me throw some variables. Yeah, let me throw some variables in here, and and uh, just to make it a little bit easier, because there really is no one answer. Um, I think there's a couple of things, and then I'll get each of you to to, to uh, give your thoughts on, on why you uh, agree or disagree with this. I think there's a couple of things. I think technology um, – I, I agree with you, Barb. I think technology is great. I think there's a place for it, but I think there are some in the industry that have gone too far in that direction to the point where they're not really assessing the students with their own abilities. They're using the equipment. They're hooking them up um, you know, much like an MRI uh, and, and diagnosing everything that way. And it certainly is a great tool for the coach, but I don't think the student necessarily has to be as involved in, in, in the analysis of it uh, through that process. Uh, as far as the teaching and coaching, I think there's a lot of great techniques out there. I think there's a lot of great teachers and coaches out there. But again, I think some of them may be too wrapped up in the technology. Uh, but I think part of the reason that um, you know golfers are just not uh, making much of a, a, a sliding that needle, if you will, is for two reasons. First off, there's a, a time element. People don't have as much time to commit to the game anymore. And when they do, they're not committing in the most effective ways. Uh, in other words, they're not putting proper, um, uh, their practice sessions are not with a purpose. They're just out there raking and hitting balls. Um, your thoughts from that perspective, Barb, and then Cindy, I want you to also uh, comment. Okay. Yeah, I, I think... You know, with the technology part, I think it is, you know, there's so many things that you can get your hands on and see the numbers and look at all the statistics and all that stuff. And, you know, that doesn't make the ball go in the hole. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, as far as um, um, the second point that you made, uh, I just went blank here. Uh, <laughs> oh, with the... Well, um, with, with with the time element, I mean, a lot of, yeah, uh, with the time a lot of folks element, out there right. just, yeah, a lot just don't have time. I mean, you know, families are busy. Some have second jobs now, you know, to make ends meet. So they don't have the same level of commitment that maybe golfers did 20, 30 years ago. Um, uh, you know, so I think there, that's one of the issues. And I think also practicing with the purpose. Um, a lot of folks out there are not practicing um, maybe effectively. So what are some, some tips, if you, if you will, that you could give uh, some of the listeners out there and how they could be a little bit more effective with their practice time that will hopefully transition out in the golf course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you got to look at all parts of the game, you know, I mean, just warming up for one thing is a key. A lot of people just get to the golf course and play, you know, if they could, you know, just have 20 minutes to hit a few balls to maybe chip a couple and, and hit some putts, not necessarily maybe to the hole, but to putt to like the edge of the green, just to get to work on the speed of a speed of what the greens like. Um, you know, I think those, those, those help. And then really, you know, a lot of people play the wrong tees. You know, I don't think right. that's, I think that's a big, big um, disomer too, is that, you know, if you're shooting 95, you don't, shouldn't be playing from the back tees or the, you know, or 6,500. Right. You know, play that 6,000. I mean, I'm like, I don't want to play it over 6,100 anymore. I don't want to do it because I don't hit it as far as I used to. You know, can I play it back there? Yeah, but what's the point? You know, I right. mean, it's it's like, you know, I think that's where some handicaps get really, you know, they're, you know, it's hard to get lower with your handicap because you're playing it too far back. You know, or even for the people that have, you know, have uh, a good golf game, you know, move it up. 
you know, and, and play from the tees that where you can enjoy hitting shorter irons in and maybe reaching a par five and two and, and stuff like that. So, because I think a lot of people too, maybe don't belong to clubs anymore. They play at different places too. So, you right. know, that, that messes with the handicap a little bit also too, because it's a different, uh, right. a different venue. So I would say, you right. know, just try to make it more fun. Just enjoy it. I mean, if you're out there for four hours and you're miserable and that's the only day you got to go play, I mean, that's that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> right, right. Now, Cindy, you, you have um, sort of the best of both worlds. I know that you um, use some of the technology that's out there and, and have done it very well, but yet you don't let the technology master your, your teaching abilities. You have, a, a, in fact, Cindy, you're one of the few that I know that balance it very, very well. How do you do that? How do you know when it's time to tap into that technology that's available to you? And when do you know, okay, I need to, to back off of that a little bit with this particular student? I think you have to, um, you have to know the student and you have to realize when are they going to become too left-brained to worry about what their golf <coughs> swing looks like. I think you need to mm-hmm. find out whether they're audio, visual, or kinesthetic and how they learn best, and then you have to speak that language to them. <clears throat> but I totally agree with Barb on the on the T markers. And I, yes. I must tell you, that's why I believe so much in the U.S. kids' golf <clears throat> concept, because they have these kids play from the appropriate T markers for their age and how far they hit the ball so that they can learn to shoot under par. And and that's one of my, my beefs about the Legends Tour or the challenges because there's such a huge discrepancy in age difference for the Legends Tour. I mean, you've got Laura Davies who probably outdrives me by 60 yards. So really, right. you know, I don't have a prayer competing with her because it's like David and Goliath. And if we played it mm-hmm. short enough where I could reach the par fives and two, it's a pitch and putt course for her. So right. I believe that, yes, you have to play the team markers where that you, you, know, you can learn to score so that your handicap goes down. Hence, you know, my, my girl Lily shot 30 for nine holes on a par 36 golf course when she was seven years old. Well, because she hits it really good, and she was able to reach some of the par fours and one, just like the PGA Tour players do now. Sometimes they have par fours that they can reach and one, and all par fives and two. Well, that makes the course really easy, and it's very easy to shoot under par. So to go back to the technology issue, I have not used flight scope all summer because it's uh, we're teaching outside, and it's difficult to set the thing up, and you can't see the screen now. When our new dome shows up in a few weeks and we have, you know, the inside facility. That's the time to work on your game. Summertime, it's time to, to, you know, to tweak a little bit, go play, learn how to score. Wintertime is when you really want to work on it in the off season. And that's, right. you know, my opinion. Right. Um, Barb, let me ask you, what, how, how much has course design uh, with some of the modern courses, you know, years ago you had, uh, courses like a Pinehurst number two that was very traditional, you know, tree line fairways, that sort of thing, um, smaller greens. How much has some of the course design, the more modern course designs of the, of the you know, last century, if you will, or last decade even, um, affected handicap? Do you think it has had some effect uh, in a negative way, uh, being maybe too difficult? 
Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, even some of the courses around here in Orlando, you know, some of the greens are just ridiculous. You know, they're they're putting in humps and bumps, and if you're hitting a wedge in, that's fine, but you're hitting like a five or six or four iron in. You know, it's like it, that's not meant for and for people to hit that kind of shot into a green. And a lot of a lot of people that come down here are, you know, you're playing the resort courses and things of that sort, and they should be more friendlier than they are. You know, and they're beautiful and they're manicured well, what real well, and and all that stuff. But, you know, you don't want to come down here and shoot a hundred. You know, what fun is that? Right. So I think some of the when they redesign them or they retweak them or whatever, you know, I think they just need to make them a little bit more forgiving and not have the bunkers strategically placed in different areas. You know, they're never going to be championship courses where the men are going to play. You know, you're talking right. about people that are coming down here on vacation and or golf groups or whatever. So I think sometimes they get a little overboard and they and they make it a little too, you know, too unscorable for the average person that you know is not going to break 90, you know, for sure. So um, you know, you want to have bunkers and all that stuff and different different terrains, but I think they can they can definitely make it a little bit more. Uh, Play, playable, friendly, um, and, you know, they don't, you know, you can't, if you are keeping score, you know, and using that yep. as your handicap, you know, it's almost impossible to, to make it in your favor, really. Right. Um, Barb, what about player participation? I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Um, you know, again, this falls under the time restraint. A lot of players, a lot of folks out there don't have as much time to not only commit practice-wise, but even playing in that. So what would you advise maybe some of the folks out there that, that you know, maybe can't get out a couple times every week? How can they make use maybe in their own home or, as you said, in the hotel room when they're, if they're traveling for business? Um, things that they can do. What are some things that they could do um, to maybe work towards bettering their game that ultimately will help their handicaps go down? Um, you know, just really even swinging. Swinging a golf club, you know, I mean, I know that if I don't have time to go out and play, I mean, this sounds ridiculous, but I've got wiffle balls with me. I'll hit wiffle balls right. in my yard. You know, I'm like, that takes me back to when I was yep. like eight years old. Uh-huh. <laughs> or I'll get a little bucket out and I'll do some chipping from like 30, 40 yards, you know. I mean, but it's just it's just connecting. It's getting your your mind connected with what you want to try to do, you know. And, you know, if you swing enough, you can eventually get into the right rhythm and the right groove of just swinging a golf club. You know, I've got the leisure to, to hit some golf. I live on a lake, so I can hit some golf balls in the lake every once in a while, too. But, um, you know, I'll I'll go out and hit some wiffle balls, you know, and I might be out there for 20, 30 minutes. And before long, I'm like, you know, that was a pretty good practice section. And really, the one day, right. the one week before I went and played a tournament, it was raining a lot, and I didn't have time, and it just wasn't working. And that's all I did. I just hit some golf balls, and I played really well. I'm like, well, what's the point of even going to the golf course to practice? <laughs> but um, you right. know, it's you know, I think you just you gotta you gotta find things that you know motion. It's a it's a golf swing that is a motion swing. You know, it's a tempo swing. It's a rhythm thing. It's a balance. It's a balance uh, sport. So you know, you don't necessarily have to be on a golf course or be at a range to do it. You can. You know, if you got a net, set up a net and hit some balls into the net, you know. And that in that way, too, 
because you can't really see the, the slide of the golf ball, you're not evaluating right. everything. You're not you're not right. disowning, oh, that's another bad shot. What the heck? Why can't I do this? You know, you're just working on rhythm and solid and how does it feel and getting your body to to kind of get loosened up. So, you know, sometimes it's better to not even see what the golf ball's doing because then you have nothing to, you know, uh, put a negative thought to. So, yeah, right. exactly. Well, yeah, well said. Um, now, Cindy, you, um, you've you traveled a lot here lately, as you mentioned earlier in the show, you know, playing in various different events and that. What do you do? Because I know that you don't always have, you know, you're busy teaching and, and, and doing other things as well, um, corporate speaking and stuff. What do you do to prepare um, when you can't get out in the golf course and, and or out in the practice tee? Um, do you do things in the hotel room to work on your game a little bit, maybe some putting or, or what have you? Or what are things that you do to, to help uh, warm up? I do do some putting, and I do – I practice in my mind a lot. And I, I think it's not only stretching and getting your body ready, but I think it's also preparing your mind and knowing, you know, how do I go from thinking to not thinking and visualize and picturing shots and how are you going to play a hole, and it's mentally practicing. Yeah, well said. Um and, you know, I think a lot of it, <clears throat> Barb, you, you mentioned, you know, just getting out there and, and doing something, you know, hitting it, hitting in the net is a great opportunity because I think you're right. I think a lot of golfers out there, they, they get out in the practice tee and they're, you know, raking the balls and hitting them out there and they're watching where they go. And the first thing that goes through mind is, you know, gosh, I just hit a big old slice and maybe the next one they've topped it or something. And now they're not really focusing on their timing and their rhythm and just the, the you know, free-flowing motion of the swing. They're thinking about the results all the time. And that you know, transitions right to the first tee. They're right thinking, well, gosh, I don't want to do what I just did on the driving range or on the practice tee uh, out here on the first tee. Um, yeah. What do you do? You know, what are some of the thought process, if you will, very quickly if you can, um, with some of the students that you're working with, how do you transition them from the from the range to the first tee? What do you what do you put in their minds uh, as they get ready to go out and play their rounds? Well, I think you know, I mean, you're using the the practice the range to warm up on. Really, you know, I remember mm-hmm. when I was in college, it was you know, you know, I finally got to the point where it didn't really matter how I hit it on the range because that's not. It, it, you're just you're just loosening up and getting the club swinging into motion. But like Cindy said, you know, you got to engage your mind with it too, because a lot of times your mind is going to override what your body's doing. You know, it's weird how that works, but you know, it, it really does work that way. And I just go back to the basics. You know, I'll be like, okay, mm-hmm. fairways and greens. <clears throat> I don't care if you hit it left on the fairway or right on the fairway. If you hit the fairway, don't be so you know, to where you can't you can't miss the target of where you're trying to aim. You know, sometimes you got to hit right. certain parts of the fairway, obviously. But, you know, keep it simple. Go back to fairways and greens, fairways and greens. You know, good balance, good rhythm. Make a dis- good decision on your clubs. You know, don't try to force it. You know, stay in the present. Be relaxed. You know, all those things that I'm not talking about, where is your club at the top of the swing? Are your hands cupped? Are they open or whatever? You know, I mean, right. I, I don't really care. You know, if you can hit fairways and greens, you're probably going to score pretty well. And that doesn't even mean yeah. you've got to hit it close to the pin, you know? It's almost like let let the momentum of the game evolve as you as you go out there and play, you know? How many times <clears> do you <throat> hit it perfectly and you hit it close and you don't make anything? And now you're going, what yep. the heck? <laughs> I'm hitting it 10 feet and I can't even make a 10 footer for the first five holes, you know? So 
this game is is so uh, so un, unpredictable every time you tee it up that you know that's what makes it a great game is that if we knew what we we're going to do and how it was going to how the story was going to be written you know then none of us would have the opportunity to to walk this journey but we all keep walking the journey because we don't know what to, what's around the corner which which makes it fascinating i think right i agree Absolutely. you know i've watched yeah i've watched players you know get on a par 5 and 2 uh and walk away with a bogey just because mm-hmm. you know they they just they figure that or they've got it locked in and you know they miss that that eagle putt and you know the next thing you know they're coming back you know from 12 feet on a birdie putt and it just you know back and forth back and forth the next you know they're walking off with a 6 and they scratch their head and yet on the same token I've seen other players you know scratching and digging and and they'll walk away with a par or sometimes even a birdie on a par 5 and you'd think there's no way in heck they could have just made that, but somehow they managed to put it together. It's because they're not thinking, um, you know, about every little shot. And and I go back to what I said earlier too: is is practicing with a purpose. I think when you do have opportunities to practice, whether it's on the practice tee or whether it's in your hotel room or out in the backyard hitting some wiffle balls, there has to be a purpose to it. Um, and and I think that if you're just going out there and just kind of going through the motions and not really. Uh, sort of formulating some sort of uh, a focus or purpose to to your practice sessions, then you're not going to get any benefit from it. Um, best and worst part of your game, Barb. What do you think over the years has been your your strongest part of your game, and and what has given you the most difficulties? Uh, probably the best part of my game is um, I'm pretty straight. You know, I I don't hit it offline too often. Um, you know, my drives usually pretty much you know in the fairway almost all the time. Um, that as well as my short game, you know, um, around the greens, I tend to hit, you know, figure out a way to get the ball to where I can at least have a chance to make an up and down. Uh, worst part of my game, um, probably would be my, uh, my longer irons, which now that you get hybrids, that makes it a lot easier, Right. but, uh, the long irons and probably like a three wood, you know, off the fairway, uh, mm-hmm. probably hitting those, those really, you know, tough, um, tight lies with a with a wood off off a fairway. Mm-hmm. I think those probably weren't weren't the best part of my game. Um, but you know that's not where you're going to score a lot of times either. Is you know that's those are the shots that if you hit a great one, that's when you can make an eagle or a, or a great birdie, something like that. So it wasn't that important in the game, I don't think. But if I was better at that, you know, I might have had some more opportunities to maybe hit some par fives and two or whatever. So, but you know, it's um, that's just a small variable in the game for me right now. So, well, from what I can see, Barb, um, you've you've had a, a pretty awesome career and uh, thus far, and, and continuing on in your journey. Uh, where can the folks, if uh, they want to learn more about you or reach out to you, where can they do so? Uh, well, they can go to the Grand Cypress uh, uh, Golf Academy, the Golf Channel Academy. Uh, they can get a hold of me through that. Uh, I don't really have a website set up or anything like that for individual lessons. So it's it's mostly like word of mouth, you know, people getting in touch with somebody that knows me that contacts me or whatever. So uh, I don't necessarily look for lessons, you know, I'm available and I love working with people that really want to try to get better and, and learn something and, uh, you know, learn about the intangibles of the game. That's what I have my passion for is um, passing that on. So, um, you know, but I'm I'm around. People know how to get a hold of me somehow. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. 
Well, Barb, we want to thank you. Uh, Zina, I want to thank you very much for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We appreciate uh, some interesting discussion, and uh, let's see if we can get uh, hole number one, uh, hole in one, number eighteen, maybe this number year. Number eighteen, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm behind a couple of friends of mine that have like twenty some. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to catch you. So, but every day, you know, you you don't have that opportunity unless you play. So that means I probably got to play That's a little right. bit more if I'm looking to get another hole in one. So. That's right. Well, good luck with that, and uh, keep keep doing the great work that you're doing, and, and thank you again for joining us, and, and we'd love to have you come back again and join us sometime. You're very welcome. I appreciate it. I've had a great time. Thanks so much. All right. Thank, thank you, you Barb. So much, Barb. All right. You're welcome, Cindy. We'll see you. I'm not in Delray, but uh, we'll we'll be in touch. Down the road. You got it. Okay, gal. All right. You, all, right. all right. Have a great day, Barb. Bye-bye. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. All right, that was a very special guest, uh, LPGA uh, professional Legends Tour player uh, Barb Mucha uh, chiming in on a little bit about handicaps and, and just about this great game that we all love and, and enjoy playing so much. Um, Cindy, any closing thoughts for this week that you'd like to share? Um, what have you got coming up in the next few weeks as far as tournaments or uh, anything? I know you, you've got this uh, great program that's going to be coming out here short. You're going to keep us posted on that so we can share it with the audience. But uh, uh, any other uh, things that you're, you got working on here in the next couple of weeks? Uh, no, I don't. But I, you know what? I think that Barb hit the nail on the head when she said, play the tees that are appropriate for how far you hit it. And, yep. and it doesn't matter how old you are, play the correct tees. It'll make the game a lot more enjoyable and a lot more fun. Yep, you're you're exactly right. Well said. Great way to end the segment. Um, thank you, as always, Cindy. Uh, some great conversation. I enjoyed having Barb on and always enjoy uh, working with you on the show. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in this morning to the Women of Golf. Uh, we, we certainly do have a great amount of pleasure and enjoyment of bringing some great guests and some great discussion and conversation to the program uh, each and every week. And we look forward to you joining us next time here in the Women of Golf. God bless everybody and have a great week. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Have a great week. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye.